All right, good morning, church. Let's make some noise, Hudson Valley. Woo! I feel a little jealousy um, when the teens come up. Man, they get a round of applause and all kinds of, you know, come on. <laughs> no, seriously, though, that was awesome. Uh, what you shared was inspiring. I feel convicted. I feel lifted. And I feel like that's it. Amen. Let's uh, all go home now. No kidding. I got a little, a little something for you uh, today as we continue uh, our summer of transformation. Uh, we've been talking about spiritual transformation. So today what I want to talk about is the heart of spiritual transformation. That is life from above. When we transform... Uh, the thing that we're pursuing, the thing that we're doing is this life that is above this earthly life. And in order to do that, we need to focus on our hearts. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from that. And when I think about our hearts, I think it's important that we talk about what it is the heart is and what that entails. And I love how Steve kicked off this month with talking about the heart, focusing on the heart. And I want to take a deeper dive uh, into the heart and talk about how we can live transform, transform lives that are lives from above. So when we think of the heart, what we have to realize, and the, the proverb here talks about this, is that we live from our heart. Everything that we do and experience and our actions, our behaviors, our emotions, they flow from our heart. Uh, Dallas Willard, in, in a book called Renovation of the Heart, says this about the heart. The heart refers to its position in the human being as the center or core to which every other component of the self owes it's proper functioning. So everything stems from the heart. So if we're going to transform, if we're going to be different, if we're going to live this higher calling, this life from above, we've got to focus on our hearts. He goes on to say that the heart, will, or spirit is the executive center of a human life. Again, meaning or conveying the idea that everything flows out of our heart. The heart is where decisions and choices are made for the whole person, that is its, its function. And so if we're going to live transformed lives, if we're going to be different, then a great place to start is the heart. And starting there, we've got to think about where are our hearts? And Steve started us out in the beginning of the month, getting us to think about where are our hearts? We've got to seek our hearts. We've got to search our hearts. And I hope you've spent time doing that, really thinking about what's in there, what's in my heart, what are my desires, what are my emotions, what are the thoughts that are flowing out of my heart. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of living a life from above, focused on the heart, and we're going to talk about Colossians 3. We're going to be in Colossians 3, so you can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. And I'm going to give you a psalm here first that gives us a nice overview of what I'm going to talk about today. So you're turning to Colossians 3. I'm going to read first from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, where the 
the psalmist writes, search me, God, and know my heart. Know my will. Know my decisions. Know my emotions, my motivations, my desires. The psalmist continues, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that way everlasting is the life from above, this higher calling, this life that is above the earthly life. And so I want to talk about that today. And one of the things that I loved about uh, what the teen shared is this desire to, hey, I have this, this, this great kind of jumping off point that is camp. But how do I grow from there? And that's the same question that we need to ask ourselves. Every week is an opportunity in church to get inspired. But it doesn't stop there. We've got to grow from there. We've got to put these things into practice. And so today I want to talk specifically about how we can grow and transform our hearts. So Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts or seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds, which can also be translated as set your affection on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So to give you some context here, Paul in Colossians 1 and 2 has set a great theological foundation for who Christ is and what he's done in the spiritual realms. And because of that fact, in light of that fact, Paul says, so here's what you do with that. And he, look where he starts. He starts with the heart. You've got to set your mind, set your heart, set your affection on things above. These are spiritual things. And Christ uses the, those two things synonymously in John 3. He talks about the birth from above, which is also the birth of the Spirit. So when Paul here is referring to life from above, he's talking about life in the Spirit, which is what we talked about last month, right? Where we looked at Romans 8 and took a deep dive into that. So he's conveying the same idea here. If we're going to live a spiritual life, we've got to start with the heart. And we've got to start with setting our hearts on things above the earthly life. Set your affection, your desire there. And that is something that we have control over. I think sometimes as we think about our heart and our will, our decision, our emotions, we think, I don't have any control over that. Why did I do what I do? I don't know. I just did it. But that's not true. We can control and we have control over our hearts and so paul gets to that idea here on the outset of colossians 3 set your heart your affection on what is above not on things below and so my first point is seek what is above seek what is above and there's no real like you know, big practical with that. The idea there is just that 
every day, every moment, we have a choice to either seek what is above or what is below. And then Paul goes on to talk about what to do with the things that are below, that are consistent or associated with our earthly nature. And he says to mortify those things. He says to kill those things off. Continuing in verse five, and my point here is to sever what is below. Verse five, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And now I see two uh, uh, groupings of different types of sin or different things that are part of our earthly nature. First, he starts with sexual desire, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed. Another way to think about greed is just a desire for more. And he talks about those things as idolatry. Those things are idolatry. And he says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the, in the life you once lived. And then in verse 8, he goes on. So now we see another grouping of sin. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger. Rage. Malice. Which we can think of malice as just vice generally. Slander. Speaking poorly about people for the sake of harming people. Filthy language, which is just an ungoverned tongue from your lips. And so I see these as sins of anger or sins of a desire to harm other people. In verse 9, he goes on to say, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And so again, you know, Paul begins with seek what is above, sever what is below, mortify or kill off what is below. And he lists these specific sins, these specific desires that are associated with our lower or earthly nature. And I think the takeaway point for us is we need to know our sin. What are the things that pull you down specifically to the earth into your fleshly nature? Paul here lays out targets for us to identify those things. And I think a lot of times we can go throughout our day, throughout our lives as Christians, and never once think about what are the sins that I am prone to. And if you live like that, you will not be able to live life from above. You will not be able to live a transformed life. So know your sin. Know what are the things that can dog you, that you're prone to. And again, I see two groupings of sin here. There's other uh, lists of sin in the Bible. Uh, Gal Galatians 5 is another more sort of comprehensive list. And then at the end, it says, and the like. So anything like that. Is, so that's helpful, actually. So yeah, okay, you know, I'm pointing these things out. And the like, okay, I got to be aware of that. And so, you know, for me personally, 
uh, one of the sins in this list that I can struggle with is anger. Now, maybe that surprises you because I seem like, you know, probably a pretty happy guy typically, but I get mad about stuff sometimes. And I got to be really careful with anger. We got to be real careful with anger. Uh, so Paul Ekman is a, a, a pretty well-known uh, emotion researcher. Uh, he wrote a book called Emotions Revealed, and this, was, this is what he says about anger. Anger is the most dangerous emotion because we may try to harm the target of our anger. Anger is the most dangerous emotion. Now, let me just say, anger in and of itself as a, an emotion is not wrong. It's not bad, but it's dangerous, it's dangerous because it pushes us in a direction towards harm. And we got to be really careful with that because the life from above is about doing good and about loving others. And so if anger rules us and we're living by that anger, we can't live the life from above. So we've got to be aware of that and know our tendencies with that and cut it off, which doesn't mean to never feel it, but it means to manage it well you see our emotions put us into motion i like to think of emotion as energy for emotion or, or for motion it comes from the latin mo very which means to move and so these are parts of us again that put us into motion our emotions have a thought component they have this subjective experience a behavioral component and the problem with anger, again, is that it sets us in motion towards harm. And oftentimes we feel anger because of, we feel like our will has been crossed. That's what Dallas Willard says about anger. Uh, Paul Ekman later writes, anger is about interference. When we feel like someone is interfering or something is interfering with our life, we can easily feel angry. And I said, I could struggle with this uh, sometimes. And it probably shouldn't have been a surprise to me that I struggled with it this week. You got to watch out when you're going up to preach a sermon or do a communion message because you're probably going to experience that thing in some way, shape, or form. And so, yeah, there was a work-related situation that came up. I was so angry. That night, it disrupted my sleep. I, was, I kept thinking about it, and I was trying to you know, divert my attention and my mind back towards um, the scriptures and towards something more positive, but I, I was in the grips of anger. And the reality for us is that we live in an angry culture. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily an angrier culture than the past, but I think we can more easily access and express our anger because of what's in our pockets, many of us. Social media, I mean, it's just a place where I can vent and I can express my anger and we see that being expressed from other people. And emotions are contagious. And so if that's what you're doing and that's what you're seeing, that's what you're going to probably experience often. So we've got to watch out for that. And so that's, but that's me, that, that's, that's my issue. But for all of us, we've got to figure out, okay, what's our thing 
What's our sin that we're dealing with? And how do I kill it off? How do I mortify it? That's what the Bible says we need to do here. Kill off our sin. And I think we can take a lesson from our yards this summer about killing things off. I love that Steve brought that up last week about his judgy neighbor. I have a judgy neighbor in my neighborhood too. He lives right across the street from me, tucked back in the corner of my neighborhood. He's got a pool in his backyard. And, and I see him out there watching my yard. I feel the judgment. He's here today, actually. I think we need to talk to this brother. Oh, no. Oh, hey. <laughs> no. I Sometimes we need to call each other out on our sin, right? So, you just... yeah. <laughs> I didn't say any names. I didn't say any names. Uh, no, actually, we we uh, we help each other feel better about our yards. We were talking about how both of our yards are just scorched. Um, we were out in his backyard looking across the, the river and there's a nice, you know, set of, a house over there with a nice property. And I mean, their whole yard is just brown. So we're like, well, it's not as bad as their yard. Um, <laughs> crab grass everywhere. Um, but my, I mean, my yard is absolutely scorched. Nothing has grown in the past month. And so, we ask ourselves, this is a really easy question, how did it die? What gave it life was cut off from it. And so when we think about our sin, how do we mortify our sin? Cut off what gives it life and what feeds it. Romans 8 verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you feed your flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So it's by the spirit that we put these things to death. What does that mean specifically? Well, I think two things. One is we need the spirit's help to mortify these things. So we ask for the spirit to help us. I can't do it on my own. My anger, my other sin is beyond me. So I need a, a, a force and a power outside myself to do it. So I ask for the Spirit's power. But I also set my thoughts, set my heart, set my emotions, set my behaviors on the things of the Spirit. And Romans 8 verse 5 talks about that. Galatians 5 talks about that. Walking in the Spirit. So you take all those things and divert them from the flesh and gear them towards the Spirit towards the things what, that are above. And then Paul goes on to talk about what those targets are in verse 12. And my point here is saturate yourselves with what is from above. So we seek what is above, we sever what is below, and then we saturate ourselves with what is from above. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, hope and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with kindness, 
with humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So I'm just going to make a couple quick points about this, and then I'll give you some practicals. And then you can go back and water your yard, water your yards. <clears throat> so, so Paul lists these virtues that are associated with the life from above. And so he gives us targets to strive for compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you notice all these virtues, these virtues are all about our one another relationships. And that is the life from above. So just as we identify our sin, let's identify our virtue that we're pursuing. If you haven't done yet that yet this summer, you only have 29 days left until the end of the summer. And then there's no more transformation after that. That's it. Okay, just kidding. Lots of time left for transformation, but, but my point is do it now. We've got to be intentional about our spiritual lives. And one of the things that I think is just so amazing about this verse is all these virtues are brought together under the virtue of agape love, which means to will the good in the life of someone else, of the other. And so in the, uh, the NIV, it says, put on love the perfect bond of unity or the virtue that integrates all the others. Eric Silverman in his book, The Supremacy of Love, says that all the moral virtues find their proper ends in agape love. So if you want a great target for the life from above, put your target on agape love. I am going to will the good in the life of the other for the sake of the other, whether friend or foe. And so here are a, a few specific practicals to grow, to um, saturate ourselves with what is from above. So number one is pick your target. Pick your target. What are you striving for from a virtue standpoint? For me, it's love. I see that as the antithesis or you know, the opposite of anger. I'm going to love, I'm going to do the will, I'm going to do what's good for this person in my life. So pick a target and set a goal around that. I know some of us can say at times, well, I'm not really into goal setting. That's fine. Set an intention then. An intention is a thing of the heart. And so if we're going to be spiritual people, we've got to have intentions. So set your intention on a virtue. Number two, monitor your progress. How's it going in that specific part of your life? Again, I've talked about this before, but from psychology, what we understand that one of our, is that one of our greatest tools for growth is just watching our progress and reporting on that. Here's where it's not going so well. Here's where I can change some things. Here's where I am doing well. Amen. Let me celebrate that and keep striving 
for that. It also communicates to us, I can grow. Number three, take time each day to pray and meditate on that virtue. Specifically, visualizing what, is it, what does it look like for me to live out that virtue in the context of my life. And I, I'd like to say a whole lot more about that, but I'm going to uh, just move on to the last point. The last practical thing, talk to other people about it in your life. Uh, a few weeks ago, the brothers up in Orange County and myself got together, and we just talked about what sin is coming up in our life. That was one of the most encouraging times together that I've had with people because we could all relate to each other, but we all... We're helping each other grow. This is what I'm struggling with. We've got to identify that. Well, we've also got to identify with each other. Here's where I'm trying to go grow. Please pray for me. Help me with that direction. So talk to other people about how you want to grow in those virtues. And so again, this is, this, these verses are about the heart, about transforming our hearts so we can live the life from above we've got to seek what is above we've got to set our affections our desires our heart on what is above we've got to sever what is below we've got to saturate ourselves with the things from above i'll conclude with psalm 139 again uh verses 23 to 24 i modified it a little bit um for the purposes of the sermon search us God, and know our heart. Test us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting that is the life from above. Amen and thank you.